What sins do you need to confess, Eric? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, we don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
The people of God are back in the land. They're back in Jerusalem, and they're saying, we done messed up. And like, so we went from Solomon's initial vision all the way to Nehemiah rebuilding, and the ne- Nehemiah and the nation rebuilding, and rededicating themselves for another time to the practices of their faith that are important, including this morning ritual of wearing sackcloth and ashes and being a people in mourning for their sinfulness, for their brokenness, but then also moving forward to a place of resolve where, like I said on Sunday at the end of 1039, it says we will not neglect the house of God again. We will not do what we have done. We're going to do things differently this time. And so we got to see in Sunday with, those, with the selection of those two passages, we got to see this entire story unfold, the entire, like the start and the end of the story. Not really even the, the end of the story, the start of this new chapter in the story. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose those two passages in particular. Interesting. Yeah. So what's the deal with the sackcloth and ashes? Yeah. Like, what is that? So um, that comes from other places in the Old Testament, that wearing sackcloth and then putting ash on your head, putting earth on your head in some way, is a ritualistic sign that you are a person that's in mourning. And it wasn't just for these big national moments of us, of us realizing that we've done messed up. It is for just as you lose people you love to death, like they, when you are in this period, this, this institutionalized period of mourning, sackcloth and ash is that visible sign of your, of your, of your sorrow. And so that, that's something that, is, that stays consistent throughout the entire Old Testament. On Ash Wednesday, the typical read, one of the typical readings for uh, that day is Joel 2, where it tells where, where, where God says, you know, don't tear your garments, tear your hearts, like knock, you know, don't just do this outward sign of, of your, of your, of your, wow. Don't just do this outward sign of your sorriness, actually be sorry. You know, it's, it's, it can become this, it, you know, in Israel's practice, it can become this, this almost like we're going to go through the motions and, oh, we're sad. So it means it's time for sackcloth and ash. Mm-hmm. No, what you really need to do is, is, is really, be be mournful be sorry if you're going to do these things that say you're sorry be sorry mm-hmm. so, rather than just going through those motions yeah one of those things we've talked about that, yeah yep um yep the rending of we, your garments we yeah. just do because that's just sure. what we do yep definitely mm-hmm. well i'm glad we don't do that anymore yeah same there's there's all kinds of ways to avoid confession like and that's why it's important to hear a sermon about it every once in a while mm-hmm. like because we we are just so adept as a as a as a culture um at you know i'm sorry if that made you feel that way oh my gosh i'm sorry i'm sorry you know rather than saying i'm sorry that it made you feel that way that was not my intention those are two different statements but yet we do the you know the, the the we we shift the onus away from us being wrong to someone else taking it wrong right you know and that's that's not necessarily how we should be doing things right yeah, we only apologize if someone's offended. Right. Which is definitely something I feel like we're getting programmed to do more and more because I mm-hmm. feel like people will just apologize if someone's offended at the drop of a hat. Right. You know, and maybe didn't necessarily need yes. to be apologized for. Yep. 
But yeah, I agree that when we do things that are wrong, we often mm-hmm. put it on the other person. Yes, absolutely. And don't really take ownership for right. what we did wrong. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's why the the line in the sermon that I said on Sunday that I probably could have dug into more was that, um, you know, despite what the world tries to tell us, it is okay to name our sins and shortcomings to ourselves before God and and, uh, and others without justification, without mm-hmm. trying to rationalize them away or trying to minimize them. There are times when we mess up, and I think that we have to be okay saying so. More often than more often than not, we're just sorry we got caught. Mm-hmm. Is it because we hold ourselves and our self-image or our, our outward appearance to others in such high esteem? Yes. That we don't, we just can't bear the, the thought of being looked mm-hmm. at as being wrong, I guess. Yes. I think that's definitely part of it. I think that reputation, like can, can become that, you know, that this is, this is who I want the outside world to see me being rather mm-hmm. than, you know, doing that inner work of saying, okay, what what did I do wrong in the midst of this? Also, too, in a professional world where we're so focused on being hyperproductive, mm. um, when we screw up, we just want to hide that. Yes. Yep. Yep. How refreshing would that be if we were more willing to understand that we, you know, share that we screwed up, right. identify it, yeah. and then move on. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, make amends for what what can be made amends for, but then not let it, you know, Scripture says in other places that anything done in the darkness is going to come to light. Right. And we can try as we can to hide it, but we can't hide it from God. We can, we can hide it from other people. Mm-hmm. We can't hide it from God. God knows we messed up. Right. I like how you put it's so easy to just get stuck in the that mentality of I screwed up and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it can be so hard to move on from that. It can be, yes. You know, and we, we'll dwell on things too. Like, I did this stupid thing mm-hmm. years ago and it's still mm-hmm. about, you know, yes. it'll still bother you. It is so hard to move on from those things. Right. Yeah, it absolutely can be. But I like that you recognize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things I heard, like, when, after worship on Sunday, I had several people say, I'm like you. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a crappy place to be in. It is. You know, when, because, because we do do dumb stuff. Like we do, like I said on Sunday, we fall short of the glory of God. That's just a part of, of, of this fallen and broken existence in which we live. Mm-hmm. There, it's an inescapable fact that we are going to mess up. That what, we have, what matters the most is noticing that and naming that and then finding ways to move forward from that. Mm-hmm. Because there always is a way forward. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the beauty of talking about the exile, is that the exile was this big, nasty thing that happened in the history of the history of the Israelites. Like, they forsook the covenant to the point that God just said, I can't stop you from doing this and still, you know, <laughs> and still maintain your free will. Like, God could have just stepped in and said, okay, we're not doing this because I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. But God, in his infinite wisdom, 
wants us to respond freely and, 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 and fully to, to the grace that God's offering us. And so, like, God could have just stepped in and said, we're not doing this, and then just fixed everybody, but that's not how God operates. Right. We have that free will to make choices that honor and dishonor the heart of God. And Israel got to the point where God just said, I've tried everything. And it's not that God gave up, it's just that they, the Israel got to face the consequences of their inaction. Mm-hmm to the point that the exile happened. But yet, even then, like the exile happens and God starts to raise up prophets that say, okay, we messed up, you messed up, but it's going to be okay. This is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. God immediately raised up prophets that started to proclaim the hope of the restoration. And the restoration actually happened. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the coolest thing is like, when we do feel stuck in our sinfulness, when we do feel stuck in the mistakes we made years ago, God has given us a way forward. And like on this side of Easter, the ultimate way forward is Jesus. Like mm-hmm. that's the, uh, the, I mean, God, God tried everything. Right. You know, the, God tried the exile and that didn't even work. Like because the people of God became so hyper vigilant that they completely forgot the reason why they're doing what they were doing. So he sent Jesus. And they even missed the point of Jesus, you know? And so our ultimate way forward is looking to Christ and relying on the grace that he so showed through every facet of his life, not just the cross, but absolutely the cross. But every facet of his life is just a big story of grace and calling us to do better and calling us to move forward. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Don't get me wrong. Because I still, I mean, like I said on Sunday, like I can get real comfortable in sackcloth and ash. I can get real comfortable in just beating myself up and saying that I am a broken failure that doesn't deserve the grace of God that is so far beyond, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners in the hymn of 4,000 tongues to sing. Um, Charles Wesley, the, the verse that we sing now says, in Christ your head you then shall know self, shall feel your sins forgiven. That used to say, in me, your head, you then shall know. Because Charles Wesley viewed himself as the chief of sinners too. You, you shall, in me, your head, you then shall know, shall feel your sins forgiven. Anticipate your joy below and own that, and own that love is heaven. Like, that's that original verse. We've changed it to in Christ, your head, because it points us to Jesus, which is important too. But like, it's really easy for us as humans to feel this way and get stuck there, you know? And we always just have to constantly remind ourselves that there is a way forward, that there is grace for all things, and my grace is sufficient for you. Like, that's, you know, Second Corinthians. Like, Paul, even though he called himself the chief of sinners, and even though he, you know, felt this way about himself sometimes, he also knew powerfully that the grace of God was sufficient for even him. Mm -hmm. and he killed people (laughs) so right i often get stuck in the um thought process that my gifts aren't as good as everyone else's gifts Mm. and so why would my why why even try sure you know yeah and we've talked about this quite a bit before but i thought of that again with this message just Mm -hmm. you get so hard on yourself that you're not as good as everyone else. Mm-hmm. And once again, right. especially with that one, like there's, I mean, there's really no one to confess those sins to mm-hmm. but to Jesus. Right. And 
it's you have to work that out and realize that through prayer and through everything else that no you're because um, it's it really is an internal battle that you have to get mm-hmm. through it's that it feels like that idea of trying to earn it you know mm-hmm. like we've we've messed up and like when you mess up with someone on earth like more often than not you feel like you need to do something to earn or, and even like we, we we can treat other people like they have to earn something earn it earn their way back into our good graces mm-hmm. And we feel that that's the way that God operates because that's the way that we operate, and that's absolutely not how God operates. But yet, we still feel that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we're, I mean, this kind of bleeds into Sunday. We're talking about service, and I was reading some commentaries on uh, Paul uh, calling us, calling humanity, God's handiwork um, to do, you know, just to be spurred on to do good works, service. Um, and like it taught the, a lot of the commentaries that I read, getting ready for Sunday's message are talking about how Paul is writing against works righteousness, that we cannot earn our salvation. And so in the same way, we cannot earn God's forgiveness. It is just there. And that's so, I mean, that just blows our minds. It blows Mm -hmm. my mind every time I think about it. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that I can mess up to the point where I don't feel like I'm deserving of God's love. And that's just not how it is. It's so much bigger than we all think. Right. Yeah. But we need to have the the wherewithal, the understanding to recognize that. Yeah. And know that it is okay. Yep. Yeah. Which is so hard. It is. It is. Yep. But then it's so freeing too. Like when you mm-hmm. when you get to that point where you know where you know that you're striving for what Jesus calls you to do and you understand that you're never gonna make it. Mm. But you know that that's okay. Yep. Like that's a huge place to be. Yeah, for sure. So when you're confessing to Jesus, mm-hmm. having that conversation with him, how do you do that? Sure. Um, so there's a couple of different ways. Um, I mentioned, did, um, I had an experience a couple, couple of, uh, about a month ago now at uh, Terra Sancta Retreat Center where I had the opportunity to, pr- to, to pray a prayer labyrinth, to walk that path in and kind of, the goal is to, like I said a couple, a couple weeks ago on the podcast, the goal is to get to the center and like along the way, you're coming coming closer and further away. And like I felt led, I guess, um, to use that as a time of confession. You know, you kind of walk around in four quadrants. And I was like, okay, as a person, as a husband, as a pastor, as a dad, I am going to give to Jesus in this moment all the ways that I have messed up. Mm-hmm. All the ways that I have fallen short of the glory of God. And like, I am going to sit in the midst of my sackcloth and ash and I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here in this moment. And so that's, that was a powerful moment of me naming those things. And like I said on, on Sunday with the definition from Ruth Haley Barton, confession is naming our shortcomings to ourselves, to God, and then to others. You know, if that's, you know, if, if that's necessary that mm-hmm. we have, that we have to name those shortcomings to other people, um, which is a, just a good thing to do. It's just, mm-hmm. that's just saying sorry. Um, but, but it's, it, it, it's, it's acknowledging that you've done wrong, you know? And so that was one way. Um, I have also started to use a prayer guide that includes a prayer of confession every day. Mm. And so like, there is a definite, like there is a definitive place in my morning, afternoon and evening prayers where I am confessing and I am saying to God, and especially at night uh, through a prayer practice called examine 
uh, where you are literally just examining your day, noticing where you did and did not experience the presence of God, and then noticing that's mainly because of me and not God. Mm -hmm. um, but you do give, you do have this moment in examine uh, where you are saying, you know, in what ways did I grieve the heart of God today? And that's confession. Like that is naming those things for yourself before God, the ways that you have fallen short. Um, you know, I confess to other people by, you know, like it's the story I, start, I started worship with on Sunday mm -hmm. is I, I really messed up with somebody and I had to go and tell them, I am sorry, that was not okay. You know, that, that, that's, not, that's not a behavior that you should have had to endure because I'm stressed out. Like, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I'm, I am hopeful that I am a strong enough person to, to, be that, to be that person that says, this is not, this is not okay and it's because of me. Mm -hmm. What's the Catholic practice of confession about? You touched yeah. that a little bit on that in the I did, in the yeah, sermon. because in like finding, uh, I, I use slides uh, during the sermon and like a lot of them have had pictures on them and finding pictures this week of, of just typing confession into the place where I get pictures and like what I found is, you know, mainly just that understanding there. You go mm -hmm. into a room and you, I mean, you, there's, there's, it's not a script in like, you're not sincere, but there's a script that you follow. Like you tell, you say, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been X amount of time since my last confession. And then you just go into it. You know, you go into that list of, you know, I cussed at a repairman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I yelled at my kids. I was mean to my wife. I was, you know, I was unproductive at work. I was, you know, you, and you, you list off those things. Um, and oftentimes the priest that to which you are confessing will give you advice from Scripture. will give you advice on, you know, what do we do in these situations? How do, how do we how do we act different? Because the fact of the matter is, is that depending on what, what our sins are, they're not going away. Mm -hmm. You know, so how do we as people of faith respond to them? And then there are acts of contrition and that, that are sometimes prescribed or that, that Catholic folks just go through. There are specific prayers to say and like help guide you to a place where you can really bring your whole heart to God. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very different than what I'm used to. Very different, yes. Yep. You know, I just, I, I think that that comes from our understanding of the book of Hebrews because Jesus in the book of Hebrews is called our great high priest. Like Jesus is our great high priest who has been through everything that we have been through without sin. And so there's nothing that we can say to Jesus that's going to shock Jesus because mm -hmm. Jesus gets us. And so I just think that we understand. I think there's a couple of things in Scripture, but specifically that one. I just think that there are some things that we just understand differently. Sure. Yeah. And, like, I will say, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, go into detail about this, but, like, I will say that even as a pastor and not a Catholic priest, there have been times where I have been the confessor. Like, I've been the person that someone has come to with the whatever of their life, and they say, I don't know what to do with it. They pour their heart out to me, and, and you know, my job in the midst of that as pastor is to say a prayer, is to invoke the presence of God into this person's life and into this situation and say that there is a grace that is real and true, and there is a grace that is for you in the midst of whatever that was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's not a role that I seek out, but it is a role that I am absolutely, like, as pastor, that's my job. Well, what's the last sermon? Yeah, so this is the last week of the basic series, um, and so we're going to be focusing on service. Uh, we've been prayer, scripture, confession, and now service. It is important that our faith does something in our lives that spurs us on to action. Like I said earlier, um, I was talking, I was been reading some commentaries um, this week. One of the phrases I liked the most that I read is that for Paul, grace is a power that puts him to work. So like we're, we're going to be coming um, from two places, one from the gospel and the other one from the, um, the book of Ephesians. And in, in Ephesians 2, Paul is laying out this idea that we are saved by grace through faith, lest no man can boast. Like, work righteousness is not a thing. Mm-hmm. We cannot earn our way to salvation. But the grace we've experienced has to spur us on to greater action. In the Gospels, this isn't where we're coming from in the Gospels, but in the Gospels, Jesus prays over his disciples that they will do even greater things than, than he did. And Jesus did, you know, the ultimate thing by dying on the cross. And we can't get better than that. But what we can do is use our faith as a motivator. Use our faith to be the motivating purpose behind why we do what we do. And reaching out beyond ourselves is definitely a part of that. And so we're going to be digging into why servicism is so important. And then we're going to turn around as a church just kind of how we have over the last couple of weeks to put that into practice. We are going to be we are going to be serving um, by putting together hygiene kits that are be going to be donated to either UMCOR or one of our um, reservation ministries um, here in the United Methodist Church. So awesome. We're going to be just digging into to what we what we do as a result of us having this faith in, and faith in Jesus Christ and experiencing the grace that we have in confession. Well, sounds great. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. We're finally in our normal format for the first time in probably two months. Yeah. Um, Join us again next week at uh, 10 a.m. here at the church or online or again for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.